When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen, the Daily Mirror's royal podcast. I'm your host, Anne Gripper, and I have a very special guest with us this week, Judy James, our body language expert who kindly gets involved with everything from royal coverage to reality TV shows. I'm sure she'll be glued to Love Island tonight as uh, all the excitement all the excitement hits. And we're delighted to have you with us on the Royal Podcast, Judy. Thank you. None of, none of that quite beats Donald Trump at the moment, but <laughs> I think he's even more exciting than the reality shows. But the Royals are certainly holding their own at the moment. Oh, yeah, it's true. Both sides of the Atlantic. There's lots, lots yeah. to look for. Um, so I've I've it's 10 days since our last podcast and I think I've timed my my holiday reasonably well there's not been a huge amount of sort of new information and new appearances certainly of our our newest royal the duchess of sussex previously meghan markle um while I've been off um there's rumors that we may see them at wimbledon where uh, their sort of blind date romance first started out there's talk of a charity trip to Los Angeles, Canada is the new favourite as a as a honeymoon destination. So, you know, lots lots more still to come. And uh, Meghan's first engagement, official engagement with the Queen, where she won't have Prince Harry with her. We're expecting it to be Meghan and the Queen on a visit to Cheshire next week. So we'll be following that eagerly. But probably the biggest thing that came out um, while I was while I was on my holidays, um, and which fits in very well with the theme of body language and the signs that the royals send us sometimes knowingly, sometimes not, that, that Judy will be able to provide huge insight to. But Meghan has her own coat of arms now, and rather lovely it is too. Um, so as a as a spouse of royal, she's got her, her coat of arms sits alongside Harry's. She's got um, a blue background for the Pacific Ocean, very lovely. Um, golden rays of sunshine, so it's probably a good thing to bring them with her because we don't always have quite so much of that in the UK as she enjoyed in California. Um, she's got uh, golden poppies again to represent California, winter suite at Kensington Palace. And then she's got, so that's all, all very lovely and, and beautiful. And then she's got some fairly um, maybe outspoken almost signs within her, uh, within her coat of arms. Three quills representing communication and the power of words. And uh, the... So it's called a supporter, you know, the glorious animals on the size of on the size of coat of arms. Um, hers is a uh, a songbird, looking like it's about to fly, and with an open beak. So again, representing the power of communication. And for me, that fits in very much with 
kind of what we've come to come to expect of our newest royal. How about you, Judy? I think you're absolutely right. As I was listening to all of that symbolism, though, I'm just wondering whether a lot of it won't actually be worrying the older royals because, uh, number one, you've got those three quills. And, I mean, the, the, the thing that they don't like very much is being written about when it's somebody saying the wrong thing. Um, also, I think they're probably used to, and this is one of the glorious things about Meghan, they're used to new royal brides that kind of keep slightly quiet at least for a few months, possibly a couple of years. But I think we all saw with Meghan, she hit the ground running and she's probably the most eloquent member of all of the that era, that age group of royals, which is fantastic. Um, but she's reasonably spontaneous with that. And I think the songbird... You know, is there a little bit of a threat there that if anything goes wrong in the marriage, she's going to sing like a canary and tell everybody what's going on inside the royal family? I'm sure that won't happen. But it, it's like everything about Meghan. It's such a strong message there. It's a very personal message. Um, and I think that we're probably hearing from her that she's not really going to be held back too much. I think, you know, the kind of feminist that she described herself as and somebody that wants to get immersed in good causes, which we also saw that reflected in her body language a lot. But I, I think that's written large there as well. So it'd be interesting to see if anybody tries to kind of hold her back a bit and make her a little bit more regal. It is, it is a very exciting time, isn't it? She, it? There is a freshness to her approach. You know, she's... She's from she's from America, which is always it's new, it's exciting. She's discovering new things, and we're discovering her. And it's it's been a whirlwind six months for us since since they've been engaged. I mean, what it has been like for them, <laughs> I can only imagine. But their, even their romance before that was something of a whirlwind. But we've seen a lot of Harry and Meghan since they announced their engagement. Um, what have been your what have been your first impressions of them as a couple? I um I mean clearly it was in Victor's games that I first started to see photographs being sent to me. What do you think about their body language? Um, I think on that outing, probably what was the standout thing was the way that they look very equal um, in terms of status. And I think what we'd seen in the past with say somebody like Kate, who if you remember was called Waity Katie and had to walk around behind William for ages. Um, really not appearing by his side until they got engaged. And then suddenly with Harry, we got somebody in ripped jeans, you know, with the boyfriend shirt on, He clearly affecting his wardrobe as well. Um, you could see from his body language that he was absolutely delighted to have this beautiful American by his side. And I think he was doing the usual sort of a little bit of showing off going on there, you know, showing around the Invictus Games. Um, but it, it was this even-handed status. They walked hand in hand. She didn't seem to have to hide in any way, shape or form behind him. So really from the word go that we've seen her with Harry as Harry's girlfriend, it has looked like a, a, a very strong double act, um, mainly in terms of status, which for the royal family is deeply unusual. So that enthralled me when I saw that. And uh, Harry, you've been watching for years, I would imagine. How, how Have you noticed changes in him since he's been with Meghan? Well, yes, because she's clearly, I think she's brought out possibly, and part of the appeal, I think, for both of them 
is this kind of slightly deeper thinker side, you know, somebody that will perhaps a little bit, I see them perhaps seeing themselves like George and Amal Clooney going around the world, you know, the A-list glamorous couple, but doing good works everywhere that they go, changing the world as they want to and things like that. I think we also know another side to Harry that we've been watching for years, which is he's completely the prankster of the royal family and quite childlike with his sense of humour. And I've enjoyed watching, like a lot of guys when they meet you know, the serious girlfriend, he's, he's been suppressing that and cutting back a bit on some of the jokes, some of the humour, and um, just looking like a guy that's completely knocked sideways, smitten, with love and lust and everything. Um, but it'd be quite interesting to see how she handles that sense of humour when it comes out the box again, because uh, that's very much what Harry's all about. But he has been made also quite nervous. I, I think he believes he's punching above his weight quite a lot. And it, it's interesting watching him, and particularly on the wedding day, uh, this guy that normally would be the one that would be sort of showing off a bit and joking around at other people's weddings. And he did I think it was 12 self-touches within a few steps when he got out the car and those are the kind of gesticulation that you can see you see it a lot in Windsor males but not so much with Harry but you could see that I think he'd been kind of brought brought to his knees a bit by emotion and love and um, the seriousness of the whole thing as well so you mentioned self-touches what are the little signals that you're looking out for I'm, I'm i'm not an expert so my my guess with self-touches would be the kind of that thing the royals do where they've got their hand across their chest quite a lot or maybe like wipe tickling his nose or scratching his chin or something because he just, <laughs> just doesn't, doesn't know quite what to do with his hands yeah i mean that's one of the problems that the royal ha- royals have which is what makes them in well other things make them interesting but for me body language uh, they're not really supposed to use the kind of barrier gestures that most of us would normally use when we're a little bit under pressure or we've got a lot of attention so they can't fold their arms but the the males in particular have all these little ritual self-touches i mean charles i think everybody's seen prince charles's where he kind of fiddles with his watch strap or his cuff then he pats his pocket as though he's forgotten his wallet i mean which he hasn't got a wallet but um, and he, he does three or four different little movements like that in a ritual. He actually inherited those. I sourced it back, not from his father, because his father, <laughs> Philip, walks around with the hand behind his back. So he clearly has learned his lesson. But um, Charles's grandfather did exactly the same rituals that Charles does. So it's as though it's been passed down and skipped a generation. Uh, William was more his father's son, um, except that he picked up on... It's not a good gesture. It's called the fig leaf pose. William tends to stand with his hands clutched in front of his torso, uh, which is a huge self-defensive barrier. But Harry hadn't really got any until he met Meghan. And then suddenly, I don't know if you remember that jacket clench where it looked like he was kind of stapling his jacket with his fingers. And a lot of people said, is is that some heavy metal signal that he's given us all? And uh, so that was a new one in his collection. Um, and then he was just checking every item of his uniform as he was walking down to the wedding. It might fade away now he's a little bit out of the limelight, though. And you're allowed to be nervous on your wedding day, aren't you? I mean, of, of all of all days, that's, that's when you've got the eyes of the world on you and you're waiting to see your beautiful bride and you've you know been deprived of her company for a whole probably 14 hours when you've been spending all your time together. 
Well, you are allowed to be nervous on your wedding day, but not if your name is Meghan Markle, because I I mean, honestly, full credit to that woman uh, who was getting married in a foreign country, who did walk up the aisle by herself. Um, I, you know, she had her mother there who was her eyes were full of tears all the way through it. And. Megan and I literally watched it and I watched it back so many times I did not spot one sign of nerves and I know people say oh yeah but she's an actress but I'm sure you've met actresses and actors in your time and usually in real life they're very nervy people I mean they can be quite shy you get a lot of anxiety rituals from them they kind of go on stage to perform the confidence that they don't feel in real life but Megan was brimming with confidence and I I was nearly applauding because that's rare and it was so suitable for the occasion and I think suitable for feminists everywhere really to see somebody that didn't go walking up the aisle looking like a nervous blushing bride that was about to pass out at any minute. Yeah, she looked when you know Harry was lifting lifting her veil and there's that beautiful picture of her gazing up at him and he's looking down at her and it's all all in, encapsulated there. It, it's like she's arrived, she's here, and she's ready. And it's not there's no kind of um, hesitation about it at all. No, and again, now you think about that for most brides because most brides they think, well, I hope I look all right. You know, there's clearly for most brides there's a lot of work's gone in. You've had your makeup artist, you've had your hairdresser, you've got the stylist and whatever. Um, but that moment when not just in front of the world but in front of the man that you love, he's going to peel that veil back. Um, there's always, I think, going to be that moment where you kind of think, oh, I hope I look all right. I hope my my lipstick's not smudged, and that would normally bring about a little bit of eye dart or looking down perhaps, um, a little cut-off that would show a, a slight lack of confidence. You're kind of waiting for the guy to say, oh, you look wonderful, and I think Harry did do that. But with Megan, I mean, her eyes were on him and they did not move and he moved the veil back and she just gazed up at him. And I think in a really good way that showed that she was very confident about the way that she looked and confident in her ability to give good wedding, to to be there in the moment and look excellent. No, no sign of jitters or nerves whatsoever. I mean, good for her. And they, to me, I was sort of half watching it because I was in the office, so I was I was hearing it more than seeing it. But the bits of the wedding that I saw, they they seemed almost to be in their own little bubble a lot of the time. They it felt quite intimate for the pair of them, even though there were so many people watching and. And that kind of thing. They they had little moments that they seemed to share. They were holding hands a lot. I can't off the top of my head remember whether William and Kate were quite so informal, I suppose. Um, it, it, it felt connected to me. Is that something that... Am I right? Did I read the signals right? Or was I too busy trying to sort articles and then catching <laughs> brief glimpses on the telly? No, and I think that was something that you kind of felt intrinsically. I mean, the venue was smaller... I think with William and Kate, that was uh, that was real formal royals at their best, really. And I think that's something that William and Kate are very good at. I mean, Kate, for instance, uh, I think since she became uh, his wife, she's kind of not put a foot wrong with her body language. But she's not giving insofar as we don't see a lot other than the, the absolutely perfect 
smile that really works. I mean, it's not a, f- a fake looking smile at all, but they don't tend to be so tactile with not one another. They never have been in public. Um, I imagine they keep their fun side. We've seen little shots and photographs and things like that. So we know that they are a fun couple, but I think they've very much got that kind of royal burden on their shoulders that they've got to look like the future king and queen. Um, and they've chosen to be a lot less tactile. Their, their body language is excellent, but it, it's less it, less soap. Um, I think with Harry and Meghan, because the venue was quite small, you kind of felt you were there, actually. Um, I, you know, I was sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I hope he hurries up. I need to go to the loo as well. You know, I, I, I almost felt that I was sitting in one of the pews with the rest of them or suffering with Zara, who was clearly couldn't even fit into her pew because she was so pregnant. So you got a much stronger feeling of being with a, a smaller group of people. And you're right, the intimacy signals between Harry and Meghan, I think, once William, because I think William gave Harry away, you know, it was a little bit, so it was a raw reversal thing going on there because William was so much like his dad sitting with him and calming him down. And I think once Meghan arrived, you did feel that William gave his younger brother away. And, and then they were just completely besotted with one another. Lots of what are called tie signs going on. You know, when you when you are tactile like that, when you use that level of eye contact, you really can almost look into somebody's soul and and read them and kind of read their thoughts. There is another reason, though, why they need to do that. And I find it psychologically fascinating because William and Kate had spent years together before they got married. They'd been at uni together. They knew one another really well. And they'd come out almost paired off like something from Strictly Come Dancing, very twinned, lots of mirroring with their body language. They did the same waves, they smiled at the same time, they walked at the same pace. So that showed a lot of like-minded thinking. What I'm finding interesting with Meghan and Harry, at the moment they're very bonded by love and, and that's kind of creating a very good double up. But they are very different people with very different backgrounds. You know, she's been a Hollywood star. Um, you know, she comes from glamorous America. It, you know, he's been brought up in a, a much different environment with a, a lot of rules and regulations. And I think they are two very different people. And although um, they're kind of, as I say, bonded by love, they will need to continue to do all those little tie sign touches, eye glances, eye contact, so that they can really choreograph their relationship in a way that probably William and Kate didn't need to. How fascinating. How did you how did you first become interested in all of the the body language and all of the signals and that kind of thing? It, I mean, I'm going back longer than I'm going to mention, um, but it was many, many years ago, almost before there was anything much being done uh, that the public could see on body language. So uh, there was a guy called Desmond Morris, who is, you know, the king of it, as far as I'm concerned, who um, was studying animals and then studied human body language. And I read his books, absolutely fascinated. Uh, I was always working as a writer, but I I was being asked to uh, help a lot of people at things like job interviews. I was going to a lot of schools and colleges helping people uh, to market themselves when they were going to interviews and university um, interviews. Um, And I I literally got asked to write a book and I thought, I'll I'll study body language and find out what it's all about. As I say, there's nothing, you couldn't do courses or anything like that then. And so I kind of started my research for the book that I was writing and then I got asked to write a whole book on it. So it, it 
built up. It was one of all of the subjects that I'm interested in, but it was the one that really seemed to fire up a lot of people's imagination. And then clearly that just, you know, reality TV occurred and I got called up for Big Brother and, um, you know, the rest is, for me, history. <laughs> How how fascinating! I mean, you must have seen all sorts of all sorts of things over the years. And in terms of the royals, are there moments that stick in your stick in your mind from other occasions where they've given away something that they maybe didn't realise, or even look, looking back, you've thought, "Oh, should we should have seen that coming?" I I think it's very clever to be smart retrospectively, but I do have to say that at the time, uh, the 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 thing I'm going to mention, I pointed it out and I did a programme on television where I pointed it out at the time. And that was when um, when we saw uh, Diana, um, her engagement interview with Charles. And it went really well. I mean, when we were watching it in those days, you just believed because you were told by everybody that they would never split up because they couldn't and they would never, ever get divorced because they couldn't. Whatever happened, those two were going to be welded together for the rest of their lives. And we watched the engagement and Charles was a bit of a what we saw as a crusty bachelor. We thought he was quite old. In those, I mean, I wouldn't say that now, but we thought he was quite old. And then suddenly he turned up with this very sort of stunning um, 19-year-old girl who was kind of taller than him. And I remember watching the engagement interview and they sat far closer than any of the royal sense. So they were leaning into one another and it was quite romantic. All Every expression was going across Diana's face. And then the camera panned down. The first time we saw a lot of royal body language and he was kind of stroking her hand. And I remember we went, oh, isn't that lovely? And then they got to that quote, which you'll probably have heard about, uh, where the interviewer said, oh, and is this a love match? Do you love one another? And Diana immediately went, oh, yes, of course, of course, of course. And then Charles went, yes. And then and then he came out with that famous line, whatever love being in love means. Um, I got access to a longer cut than was ever shown on television. And if you watch the television clip, you can see them, their faces, They both of their eyes go in different directions. So they go to the side, he goes to the other side, um, and their faces literally drop like a stone, but it goes on for longer and longer and longer until you've got two people that are about to get married sitting with their bodies close, but their heads pointing in different directions with the saddest looking facial expressions. And that for me is probably the most dramatic thing I've ever seen. Wow. It's, it sounds, it, listening to it now, I mean, that, that quote is always sad, but hearing the, you know, your telling of the body language with it is just, you know, horrendous thinking about it. And um, it was, we had Jenny Bond on one of our um, podcasts oh, yeah. a couple of months ago, and she was, you know, talking about that time covering covering the family and, uh, you know, what what a different time it was because the the royal family at the moment seemed to be in their pomp, really, you know, the, a little bit of transition and change as the Queen does slightly less as Prince Philip has, has retired and, you know, headed to Windsor in his carriage driving. Um, what did you make of Prince Philip, actually, at, at the wedding, given his, uh, well, him and the Queen and and their relationship and particularly given his, his recent hip surgery? I, I mean, I've listened, I, I could look at footage of Philip over the years. It's never affected me too much. But 
given what had happened to him, you know, the fact that he got in there, did the business, had the hip operation, came out in time for the wedding. Oh, he was going to walk. I I literally started to have tears in my eyes when he got out the car because he, he was taking no prisoners as well. I mean, he literally walked out, I think, probably looking not well, but in terms of his body language, he was determined to sort of still be this military man. And I love the way if you look at the engage at the um if you look at the wedding photographs, the group photographs as well, he's sitting there and he's got this real kind of army, navy, you know, guy pose going on there. You know, he's still sort of Mr. Alpha of the royal family. And I I really like that and admire it. I mean, the Queen never changes. And she kind of sat there. She always looks um, slightly unhappy at weddings and occasions like that. But I think there's kind of a royal rule that she doesn't smile in church and I think she and Elton John had kind of mimicked one another's facial expression a little bit on the day but that that's what the Queen does um, and clearly the minute that it was over she does these absolutely charming smiles but I, I think there's something very good for the psyche that those two don't really change very much they still do the same body language that they still turn up looking pretty much as they always have done um, and that they don't seem to evolve in terms of obviously they look older but they still do the same body language they still do the same things and that's always quite cheery I think. Was there anything else in the um, official wedding photos that you spotted in particular? I Now I was really interested in these and I'm going to sound like a complete and utter meanie now um, and clearly when you're posing for formal photographs, you tend to do what you're told as far as the photographer is concerned. But the ones that uh, Harry and Meghan did afterwards as well, where they, they almost replicated that kind of Hollywood black and white photograph that they did for their engagement, um, she's sitting at his feet all the time. Now, I was quite surprised at that because... Uh, even William and Kate, they tended to stand up after the wedding, after she had been walking behind him before the wedding. But once the wedding was done, they stood very much as equals, side by side, both very upright, a um, little bit of space between them. But they they looked, they presented very much as even status couple. But Megan, um, in a few of the shots, she was sitting on the floor, Harry's sitting behind her, fully splayed, looking like the alpha in the relationship and the same thing in the black and white shot just the two of them she's sitting on the stairs between his legs you know and again he's all splayed out there like your traditional alpha I have to say that I was fascinated by that black and white shot that they did after the wedding because maybe it was just me but she's not actually sitting on a step so I'd, I'd love to know whether they snuck a little stall in or whether she's got some hover ability that she's learned in Hollywood. I know you do when you're modelling, you, you, you develop strong leg muscles so that you can sit in midair. But um, it was obviously a big decision to sit her there. And I, given the way she walked up the aisle by herself, looking so confident, suddenly we get this slightly more surrendered bride thing, but I'm sure that would just be a little blip. Yeah, because that's, that's interesting. Because the, the photographer on that one, I think he said that 
um he he said oh you know have a have a sit down here and it, it was almost like a moment of of collapse and informality so whether it was a, a, a court moment like a candidate but it doesn't present like that it looks it looks posed so yeah to have been a fly yeah. on the wall and see how it actually came around would be fascinating and harry, harry i have to say i mean she, she clearly thinks that he's sitting behind her looking uber manly but he's got all the little page boys around him and he, his little smile that's harry going back to how harry always is he'd rather be having a laugh with the rest of the kids there you can see that for him that's the kind of fun side of it so i i'm going to be very interested to watch harry's kind of slightly more serious and manly and worthy style emerge over the next few years oh clearly he'll become a father quite soon as well i would imagine so we'll see that side come out absolutely and one one person that we should speak about both in terms of the during the service and afterwards and in and in the pictures is is megan's mum because i think she won a lot of fans for Yes. Looking, yeah. so, she she came across as so classy, which is not something that could be levelled at much of Meghan's family. It would appear with their behaviour um, in the run up to the wedding. I mean, her her dad obviously ended up being unwell and unable to come. But then, how, discussing it all with one of the biggest showbiz websites in the world was a somewhat peculiar decision. But any yes. anyway, hopefully his health is on the mend and they will be able to. You know, he will eventually be able to meet Harry. Um, but Doria, you know, go, accompanying her daughter to the hotel on the Friday night, which was probably the first time we've sort of really seen her. And the picture that was used on some of the, the front pages on the Saturday, you know, that welcome to the family feeling of her, her and her daughter looking comfortable and together as a, as a pair. And then her being so solo, in the church, um, you know, there were some people I think thought, you know, maybe it was a bit mean that she had to sit on her own in the church and should someone have been with her or not. But then Charles afterwards making her welcome um, as he left the church with Camilla alongside him and, and Doria as well. And then her taking her place with her daughter and the in-laws in those in that sort of posed official picture that you mentioned philip in how did you how did you um perceive doria i i think she was part of the fascination of the wedding for all the reasons that you've just mentioned and we clearly kept getting the clip didn't we all the way through the service you could see megan and then her mum's head in the background and then you could see her like probably most proud mothers at a wedding welling up all the way through it did feel as though she was quite isolated I, I I'm not sure that maybe that was something that she wanted not to be isolated but the fact that no I'm mother of the bride and you know this is the side that I'm sitting on I, I would love to say that you know Charles oh how wonderful that he was so good to but you know he kind of stopped and let her walk up to him I, I I'm not going to give him any huge prizes for that one I don't think but I love the way that she very spontaneously, when he stopped on the way out, she just put her hand out um, to kind of take his hand or something. And I think that aspect, because Megan is super tactile. I mean, you know, when she goes on a walkabout, she, I mean, she seems to give, looking at her body language, the best hugs. You know, I mean, I've seen her work in the crowd and she gets down there and you know, absolutely gives the warmest hugs. And I think that's something that the Brits like. We, we don't do it normally, but we like it when it happens to us. I mean, we like it usually when it is somebody from abroad because we think that, oh, yeah, actually, I don't normally do this. It's not. But, you know, I'll go for it. 
Um, but I'll be interested to see whether any of the more tactile behaviour affects the rest of the royal family. But I absolutely loved the way that when you looked at the photographs, the official photographs, um, Doria was there right in the middle. I mean, in fact, if anything, in the shot that um, really struck me, Harry and Meghan, Meghan had slightly turned away and turned in towards her mother. And the pose was more about her and her mother, even than it was her and Harry. And I thought that was very nice. I, I absolutely loved that. I mean, can you honestly imagine coming over here by yourself and then meeting a large group of the highest royal family? I mean, I, I would quake at the thought of doing that. And I love the way that she came out from that experience thinking that, oh, they might hold hands as well and be, you know, really touchy and human. I mean, good for her for thinking that. She'd probably um, find out otherwise. But it, it was quite a nice warm moment. But I, I wish that... Actually, you know, they could have put Fergie with us, Sarah Ferguson, because she was also... Her body language I found very touching, actually, the way that she had to walk in by herself. She was doing these little baby waves that, um, and a slightly creepy walk. I said, not... I mean, I mean, she was creeping. I don't mean she looked creeping, but <laughs> she looked sinister. But she was clearly doing quite a good act of lowering her own status. It was as though she was kind of creeping in via the servants' entrance, and I thought that was a bit of a shame, and it was unnecessary as well. I, I noticed that one of her daughters quite quickly said, "Where's Mum?" And in a in a church that small, I think that was a bit mean. You know, maybe they clearly they wouldn't have sat her with Doria because that would have been too many horrible mixed memories but um you know it was hor i didn't like both of those women appearing to be a little bit on their own because mm. it was was that in the in the church itself that you saw fergie as having that sort of more um reduced moment because she the, the she seemed a bit more um uh sort of the center of attention when she using the the windsor castle walk up as a little bit of a catwalk may not exactly a catwalk but um, welcome, welcome, welcoming some of the welcome that she got. So use the word welcome yeah. excessively. And then she had the most enormous hug, I think, with um, Eugenie's fiance. So maybe it's like actually, I found a friend here, and I'm. No. Yes, I, I would have, I would have planted him there because he did give good hugs. That man. Um, what was interesting about that walk, and I, I, I know that um, if you were looking, she did look as though she was striding out down, uh, say, using it as a catwalk, but. Using my body language, wiles. Um, I, I, when you look closely, it's interesting how much she was putting, how much effort she was putting into looking that brave because she kept alternating between. Um, she, I think she was probably getting cheers from the crowd because suddenly she'd do a really big, beaming wave uh, to the crowd, but then her face would suddenly drop and she started sucking her lips in. So she went from being very much the old slightly boisterous Fergie and marching down there to looking momentarily quite downcast, quite vulnerable. That sucked in lip expression is often a, a, a sign of regret. So I think that we were actually watching somebody that felt quite vulnerable and that the baby wave, which is where you don't hold your hand up very high um, and you just bend your fingers in and out of your palm, that slightly what's called a pseudo-juvenile um, gesture that usually is a sign of insecurity, a desire to be liked and not feeling too sure of yourself. So you're you're not wrong. She did stride out and she did do big waves to the crowd. But in between those, she did moments that for me showed that she was masking quite a bit of vulnerability there. So she fooled me, but she didn't fool you. 
It's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And um, should, I should ask you as well about Char- Charles and Camilla, because we talked about the, the famous interview with Charles and Diana when they got engaged. How has Charles changed in his sort of mature years and in the marriage that we can only assume is the one that he always wanted? Do, do we really? Do we really? Wow. Sorry, I, I listen. You're talking to a, a cynic here. Um, yes, of course. You know, this is this was his. I, I'm going to be happy now. Um, yeah, I, I think for me, the body language, particularly the stuff that I've been watching recently between those two, and they went out for the Commonwealth Games and things like that. Um, I think they possibly are, probably are, um, very happy together now. I'm not sure that the the royal life and the royal outings seem to suit them very well. Charles has kind of got a formula going with his body language, um, so there's not too much noticeable difference there. Um, I don't know with Camilla, they seem to develop techniques, and who am I to criticise? But when they walked out at the Commonwealth Games, instead of walking out and communicating with the crowd it was I don't know if you saw it it was such a sort of happy informal Australian event most of the other leading names that were out there were having a good laugh and dancing around things like that they came out looking extremely awkward and uncomfortable and they do this thing where they kind of mutter out of the corner of their mouths to one another which is so excluding of the audience and the crowds it's as though I don't know it's the sort of thing that if I did it with my other half I'd probably be going oh my god what time can we get back and get the slippers on now I'm not saying that's what they're doing but it looks a little bit like that and there was that awful moment when um they were introducing Camilla and and she and Charles were sitting up in in the stalls uh, I don't know what the high class stalls are and and they said oh you know thank you for coming and the camera went over and she was flicking through the program and it actually looked like she was ticking, flicking through a magazine or something. Now, you've got to be alert all the time. You know, I think with a lot of the royals, and particularly Kate and William, who are really good at all this stuff, they're always alert. They're always very much on point with their body language. They don't do anything wrong, but at the same time, they look very human. They don't look too dull. And suddenly you've got the older generation who just don't look quite that comfortable with going on those events. And I, I think... It's a pity. You know, I, I I think people like enthusiasm and, you know, perhaps a few moments of laughter and fun and things like that. I think they're better when they go out, maybe on smaller meetings and outings. But there's something on the big occasions that it doesn't quite generally. I think Camilla was one of the ones, um, and I might be misreading this, but, you know, when the bishop, Michael Curry, was doing his talk, she seemed to sort of, be looking down under a ca- uh, her hat, like a huge hat, and I noticed that Kate did give her a bit of a sideways glance. You know that, you know, we're all enjoying this. You know, I, I don't know. I they just don't look very comfortable to me. Okay, interesting. Well, yeah, I think there's, I think there was a lot of um, discomfort in the royal family, or you know, not quite sure what to do with themselves during the during the sermon because it is. Let's let's be fair. It was a a brilliant sermon and a brilliant performance which is not the kind of thing that you tend to tend to get in your regular church of england sunday service at sandringham i can't imagine um, and, it, and it was a bit of a ken dodd it did go on longer than it was expected i mean and you did see i mean william in particular i don't know maybe it was at something else so i don't want to say what the source was but yeah you know, he was kind of 
a bit of a giggle started there as well. I, yes, I, it was brilliant. I, I'm also fascinated to know that royal things are run like clockwork. And I think the bishop himself said that he overran. I want to know what was supposed to be happening in those extra minutes that didn't happen. <laughs> That's kind of obsessed me. Was there some little child with a recorder that was going to run on and do a turn? Or was there going to be another song? Somebody's not happy. I mean, I, I've done I've done radio and I've done the news where you're waiting to go out on the, on the news set and suddenly, I don't know, Donald Trump's speech overruns. And you, I, I always say I get Trump bumped because um, they'll say, sorry, he's overrun. You can't do your bit now. And I just feel that, empathy for whoever was waiting to go on in those last few minutes. Oh, the mystery of the missing minutes of the royal wedding. <laughs> <laughs> How funny. Um, I, think, uh, I think we should finish with the Queen um, because my favourite thing that I've uh, I found out in the last few days is that, you know, we've talked about the Queen having very um, consistent body language and, very, you know, being the Queen about it all, all of the time. But she sometimes, even the Queen has to send a secret signal. And apparently to do this, she uses her handbag. So oh, yes. when the yeah. Australian High Commissioner George Brandis was, um, was in Buckingham Palace, I think it was, uh, at the end of last week. Um, so first of all, we got to have a, another look inside uh, one of the grand rooms. And there on the table, we could see that uh, the picture of Princess Anne had been moved out of the way to the other side. There was a nice loved up picture of Harry and Meghan, possibly an unseen <laughs> one from their engagement photo shoot. And everyone obviously has been trying to identify the dress that Meghan was wearing in it. Um, but Harry looks like he's wearing a blue suit. So probably maybe was those those Frogmore House pictures. Um, and I think there's possibly also one of William and Harry from the wedding behind because it looks like they're wearing the black uniform with the braid. Anyway, so the, first of all, you get fascinated by the photos and all of the ornaments that you can see hunting hunting around the Queen's front room to see what you can spot. Like the equivalent I've, of rifling through a friend's DVD collection. I literally can't wait to look at all of this because I, I, I have written about what everything says about you, so I'll even be analysing the ornaments, I promise. <laughs> But apparently the Queen also has a secret signal for her staff by where she puts her handbag. And if the handbag goes on the chair, it means she's fine. She's quite happy to be chatting away with you and having a nice time. If it goes on a table, it means you're going to be out of there quick sharp because it's time to start wrapping it up. So happily for Mr. Brandis, the, the handbag was on the chair. But um, if that if that is how it all works, or even if it isn't, I think she's probably going to have to come up with some new secret signals for the staff because it appears that that one is now out there. <laughs> and I know if ever I do, and I won't ever get to meet the Queen, I know that bag will be on the table as quickly as possible for her to you know, get this woman out of here. I, I, because uh, Bill Clinton evidently used to have secret signals to his staff. And I think... Um, I know I read it, but uh, allegedly that the more affectionate the greeting that he did with other world leaders, uh, the more that he was saying to his staff, get this person away from me. And it was interesting because uh, I think the next greeting we saw was Tony Blair, who virtually got hugged off his feet. And I thought, oh, don't, don't be too happy about that, actually. <laughs> you, might, you might not be as popular as you think. How fascinating. Right. I think I think we'll leave it there because I think I need to go back and look at all of these pictures all over again now that you've told me <laughs> all of the new clues to look for in them, even though I've seen them hundreds of times already. One thing to watch, uh, just for future, if, if Meghan and the Queen are going out together on an engagement, 
I, I'm sure Meghan will have been told a million times that you don't touch or hug the Queen. I'm really hoping that she breaks that rule and that we can... I think the Queen deserves a hug myself. Because Michelle, Michelle Obama Meghan, did it famously, didn't she? Did, although I have to say uh, there was no actual contact between Hand and Queen's back. It, it was a, it, it was a, an announcement gesture. It was a kind of um, an empty embrace. She, she, but she did put her... As she would do, wouldn't you? I mean, how old is the Queen? And you just want to, you'd want to do that. So um, wouldn't it be wonderful if she got her first public hug from her new daughter-in-law, who I think is definitely up for the job? Absolutely. And we can clear up that Meghan definitely did curtsy to the Queen on her way out of uh, out of the chapel. It just wasn't caught on the camera. So someone else will probably have been looking at the longer edit, just as you did from uh, that engagement <laughs> interview back in the day, to see uh, exactly how the curtsy went. But anyway, Judy, thank you so much for joining us. It's been fascinating. We look forward to hearing more of your insight on the, on the website and in your other work. Um, and... To our listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We'll be back next week with another guest. If you've got suggestions of people you think we should have on, then do drop me a line, podsavethequeen at trinitymirror.com. Thank you for listening. If you have the chance to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, we would love to hear from you. But until next time... Pod Save the Queen! 